Valentine's Day. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys experienced this too. When I was a, uh, when I was in high school, our we passed out carnations. Anyone else do that? Was that a thing? Anyone else? All right, me and Joe. Well, Joe, this story's for you. Uh, we would pass out carnations, and and correct me if I'm wrong. White was a, a carnation for we're friends. Pink was I have a crush on you. You never knew who you got this from, but. Uh, we as staff and the worship team would like to offer you a red carnation this morning for love. 
because we love you guys. <laughs> it feels really mutual. Great. <laughs> I should have gone with the pink and stayed anonymous. Um, uh, but in all reality, we, this week for maybe some of you, uh, myself included, it's been a it's been a hard week with that news from that Rick has turned down the job, and it's just starting to feel like a lot. Uh, and and we've been in this process for a long time, uh, but we want to say that we are we continue to be with you and uh, walk through this, and we and we and our love for our church continues. And I hope that you guys feel that way too. As a church, we don't come here to gather for any one pastor or for the music for, or for the carnations. We come here because we serve one man, and he's always here. Two or three of us gathered here, and he's with us. And so this morning, um, as we prepare for worship, and as uh, I, someone started teasing me this week about me telling everyone to slow down their breathing, but you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because uh, I think it's good. So I'm going to read some verses that just have been helpful for me. Um, and so I invite you, maybe close your eyes for now. Take some deep inhales. Let it out slowly. We're going to put ourselves into a place of worship because there is still one king, one savior that we're serving. So let's just take a couple seconds. I'll read some verses and we'll continue worship. This is from Psalm 27. Uh, uh, verses 13 and 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's take a couple seconds and consider what that means for us in this moment. stand and join us in worship. I'm 
giants fall and you use songs of praise to shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my Yeah. 
praise you when the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. Amen. You guys can take a seat. But if you are a kid who wants to head out to uh, kid service, you can go with Lori right now. As you guys leave, may you go in the grace and in the love of Jesus. Adios, amigos. For the rest of us, let's, let's continue in a moment of worship, a moment of prayer. Let's take our cares before the Lord. Jesus, you are always deserving of our praise. In the highlands, in the heartache, in the good times, in the bad times. Lord, we confess it's hard to praise you when, when it's hard to see what you're doing. When we're down in the valley and we can't see how you're moving in this space. But we ask that your spirit move in our hearts, that we may be able to worship you truthfully, even when it's painful, even when it feels sad. We pray that we ourselves as individuals will be people of worship. We pray that we as a community, the community of Watershed, that we will be a community that engages you in worship that we see our lives change through worship of you and that our neighbors notice that change, that our family, our friends, even those people that we may not like or that may not like us, may they see you in us. Lord, we pray for our church. We pray for this worshiping community. You know that we have been in a pastoral search for nearly two years, Lord. None of this is unplanned by you. It's not surprising you. So help us to trust you. We pray that you bring comfort to us. And Lord, we ask boldly that even in this season of uncertainty, that we may have life and energy and that even in this time of COVID, that people will be drawn to join us in worship. People will be drawn to the way that you are moving in this space. The people will be drawn to you moving in our lives, to the way we, to, through the words that we speak, the way we listen to others, that you will be obvious in those things. So, Lord, we ask your blessing on Watershed. We ask it on all of Hardaway, but today we specifically ask for Watershed. Thank you that you meet us here in this place. Wherever we have been, however we come into church this morning, thank you that you meet us. Give us open ears. 
open our eyes to what you're doing and soften our hearts to be receptive to it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Zach. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. And yeah, like Zach said, um, it's a little obviously disappointing this week, but um, I'm going to just share with you, I'm not going anywhere. So if, if that's disappointing for you, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you can laugh. That's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but I am as committed uh, today to Watershed and Hardawike as I was almost two, two years ago when I came in. Um, we're we're going to keep pressing forward. God is still here. God hasn't gone anywhere. God's not going anywhere. Um, he may be taking us, though, somewhere. And I believe that he's still moving. The Spirit's still here amidst. Uh, if you're disappointed this morning, if you're like, well, yeah, it's just kind of old hat. If you're like, well, okay, wherever you are, um, the great thing is we're, we're in this together. Um, I'm going to keep giving you what I got. So that's all I can do is um, be me. And I'm going to continue to do that and walk with you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. Forward. Sound good? Praise God. So let's uh, pray one more time. God, just again, as we come into your word this morning, we celebrate you. We celebrate that you haven't given up on us. We celebrate that you never will. We celebrate the fact that, Jesus, you give us not only yourself, but you have given us your word, and you give us songs to sing. You give us your presence as we pray to you, um, as we go in the multitudes of places and in ways that we go. So, God, we celebrate you, and just again, as your children, ask that you speak to us today. God, give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to you, and again, God, keep changing our lives uh, for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are finishing a series this morning called Surprise You Belong, right? This has been a series where we have seen Jesus engage, in particular, uh, outsiders. We, we chose to focus on some of those stories. Uh, today we're going to see uh, those who seem to be outside children, uh, children in their day and age in the, in the ancient culture, and sometimes we see even today uh, in our culture, where they didn't carry much worth or value. Um, and Jesus celebrates and lifts up children. And, and again, throughout this whole series, the point has been, Jesus comes to each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, right? This is part of who we are as Watershed. Uh, we hear Jesus say to us, you matter, you are loved, you belong. And the cool thing is, for those who thought they were on the inside, they just didn't realize why they were on the inside. <laughs> that was the same truth that was for those on the outside, right? It was his grace. And so we're going to hear that again today uh, through a story in Mark. But before we get there, uh, like I said, we're going we're gonna to talk about kids. So, you know, what better place to go? What better person to talk to? I mean, other than Jesus, of course. But Walt Disney, right? Walt Disney has made a life made a life of loving on kids, sparking imagination. For those of you who love Disney World, Disneyland, good on you. Uh, I can't handle the crowds, so just saying. But Walt Disney once said this, he said, to, to many, too many people grow up. Right? Here, here's the guy who brings about Peter Pan. 
right? A little island for people who never want to grow up. But too many people grow up. That's the real trouble with the world. Too many people grow up. They forget. They don't remember what it's like to be 12 years old. In fact, they patronize. They treat children as inferiors. Well, I won't do that. Right? Oftentimes, that's what we see with kids and young adults. We, 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 we think that your day will come one day, but, but we don't, you know, maybe as adults go, well, we don't know what you're contributing to our world and our society right now, so, you know, your day will come. But I think Walt Disney puts his finger on what we'll hear from Jesus today, that Jesus says, no, your day is as much today <laughs> as it is my day and anyone else's day. And you do contribute something today in who you are as children. And maybe when we grow up, maybe we need to think about maturing a little bit more like a child than simply being adult. Because I don't know about you, when I think about growing up, I think about a number of things. When somebody says grow up, it's stop being a baby, right? You're you're, kind of helpless as a baby, so, so stop being a baby, or you know what, I want you out of my house, so, so can you get out of my house and grow up? Can you go get a job, right? That's the briefcase. Go, go get a job. You're grown up when you go get a job, or, or you know what, you're grown up when you hit 30, and then all of a sudden you hit 30, and it's, you're grown up when you hit 40, and then you're like, you know, you're only just over the hill. You're grow up when you're, you're 60, right? Time, what grow up? Or, you know what, when I don't have to support you anymore. Grow up so that I don't have to pay for you. Right? As you think about growing up this morning, what comes to mind? What, when you think about that phrase, when you say to somebody, I want you to grow up, what, what's there? What, what are you thinking about when you say that? Okay, put that in your mind and let's turn to Mark 10, the second book in the New Testament. Again, in the New Testament, under that thin part of our scriptures. In Mark 10, Jesus uh, says this in verse 13. He talks about divorce and uh, how the law uh, could provide a way out, and people would utilize that and, and kind of work the system. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus changes things, and he says this in verse 13. He says, People were bringing little children, right? This is the story. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, right? They, they saw this miracle worker. They saw this person who could heal. They saw this uh, person who in a day and age where infant mortality rates were high, maybe, maybe he could keep my kids living and I could pass, pass on life to them. He could take care of them. So Jesus, people were bringing their children to him, but his disciples rebuked them. The same term there, the disciples rebuked, was the same way Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. So the disciples are, are saying to these parents, to these aunts, to maybe these grandmas and grandpas, maybe their brothers or sisters who are bringing this chil- these children, for Jesus to bless, the disciples are saying, literally, get out of here. Beat it. You don't belong. Now, when Jesus saw this, listen to this, he was indignant. He would have nothing of it. There is no place for Jesus for that in his neighborhood. 
Right? He was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of, belong, of, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Right? God's kingdom belongs to these innocent, helpless children who you discard. Jesus says, I don't. They belong and the kingdom belongs to them. Truly, I tell you, he says, he goes further. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it. So not only does the kingdom belong to these children, these infants, those who are dependent upon someone else to actually bring them to Jesus. But he says, now, unless you become like a child, you're not even going to enter the kingdom. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we talked about, children were not valued in culture. Children were not really present in society. They were there. They were the seen but not heard. Have you ever, you know, had that? Maybe, maybe you've even, you know, walked into church one day, into worship, and it's like, well, you're, we want you to see here, but don't say a word, right? I know I would get a little too loud with my Pez dispenser. You all know Pez, right? I had a Pez dispenser truck, and so then I had to make my truck noise, right? And then I start, but I was making too much noise, and you know I was going to hear it from mom and dad, and in mom and dad, if you're watching today, you know I was going to hear it from making my truck noises a little too loud. Or, you, especially when it's quiet and you can hear a pin drop, you can actually hear the Pez dispenser open up, right? Children were to be seen but not heard. And in fact, sometimes they weren't even to be seen. And what happens is these parents, as we hear in the scriptures today, they go, we want to bring, it looks like everybody else is coming to Jesus. We want to bring our children to them. We want a life for them. We want the teacher, this rabbi. We want this special person who we may not even understand who he is, but to lay his hands on them and, put, and give them a blessing, to say good things, to pray good things, to, to give good hopes and wishes over them. And so they would bring the children, and what were the disciples' response? Get out of here. Beat it. You're gone. Well, you know what? If I stop long enough, I mean, I can, I can understand sort of the indignance of Jesus. We'll get to that in just a moment. But, but if I stop for a moment today just to, to understand the disciples' perspective, I think I kind of get it. Because to them, children didn't move the agenda of the kingdom forward, did they? They couldn't go out and witness They couldn't go out and lay their hands on, especially children in this case. Luke, actually, the story of Luke calls them infants. So so they couldn't contribute. They couldn't contribute dollars and cents. They couldn't contribute any wisdom to the game. They couldn't contribute any energies or efforts. They were completely and utterly helpless and dependent. So the disciples are like, we don't have time for this. Isn't that sort of the normal story of life? Is, is we base life on what you can contribute? Isn't that how sometimes we treat our kids and our young adults? Is until you can actually contribute to our agenda, to our, 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 
our vision, until you can, you know, give the dollars, until you figure out exactly what gift you have so you can, you can bring it to us. You know what? You're kind of junior members, right? We'll get around to you one day. In just the next verses, we hear a religious leader who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do? What, what do I need to do? And, and we hear, he's like, I, I've, I've kept the law. I've done, I've done everything. I, I know I've got dimes and degrees, right? I have everything to contribute. And Jesus says, yeah, give it all up. What? Flips things upside down. After that, he talks about the rich, and he says, it's really difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's actually more difficult for a camel to go through the eye, for them to enter the kingdom as it is for, the, for a person to go through the eye. Oh, let, me, let me get that straight. Sometimes you talk ahead of yourself. It's harder for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven than there is a camel to go through the eye of a needle. There you go. Yay. <laughs> And all of this, he's, Jesus is going, yeah, my kingdom is upside down. My kingdom is different. My kingdom disciples, by the way, and this is where his indignant nature comes. It isn't about dimes and degrees. It's not about what you can contribute. The kingdom of God and entering it is about me. Because that's the reality in this story is as these children come, Jesus does what? He takes them places them on his lap, puts his hands on them. These helpless, dependent, young children who have a promise of a life one day but aren't contributing much today matter for Jesus. And he says, listen, come to me. And in fact, you need to receive the kingdom like these children, utterly dependent. Why? Because entering the kingdom is not about us, our accomplishments, Entering the kingdom is not about what we can contribute financially or through our gifts, our talents. Entering the kingdom isn't about all of our wisdom and our knowledge and what we think we bring to the table. To enter the kingdom is to actually become hopelessly, in some ways, utterly dependent upon Jesus. Upon his grace to take us into his lap. To place his hands on us. To bless us. Because that's the reality for us. is We can't do enough. We can't keep enough laws. We can't contribute enough to somehow bribe God to be happy with us. And yet that's not what he expects of us. What Jesus expects of us is to simply be dependent upon him. To enter the kingdom like a child, to in some ways mature as a child, to become childlike and dependent upon him. My question for us this morning is this. I've been jumping ahead. Sometimes you scrap some of the slides you were thinking about. (laughs) Why is it hard when we think about this to be dependent, to be like a child? Why is it hard to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. And what keeps you from being dependent upon God? If this is our reality today, if the reality isn't upon what we contribute to earn God's love, to earn his favor, to come into his kingdom, but it's about almost a helplessness 
may feel like a hopelessness, but a helplessness and utter dependence, what is it that keeps us from being in that position? For me, there's a voice that keeps saying, I got to work for it, right? Any, anybody else? So I grew, up in, I, I grew up in a Dutch family with a Dutch work ethic that basically was, you go do it. <laughs> you go to work. You do it. I remember my dad coming in. I, was, I, was, I didn't show up to work. And man, he, he read me the riot act, and he certainly deserved to do so. <laughs> but you go to work. You earn it. You earn your paycheck. And, and trust me, that, that's great wisdom. <laughs> I believe you got to do that. Thessalonians will talk about not being lazy in life. <laughs> but I, I believe in my heart of hearts, well, it's on me, right? And it's, in one way, this is a great thing, but that great thing overrides this whole other thing called grace. <laughs> it overrides the message Jesus is sharing with us today to go become like a child. I want you to grow up like a child, to become dependent. Wait a second. My parents have been teaching me to be independent. (laughs) Yeah. And yet Jesus is saying, no, depend on me. What is it that makes it hard for you to be dependent, to receive the kingdom like a child? I'm going to go back just to verse 16. In the beauty of this verse, Jesus takes the children in his arms, places his hands on them, and blesses them. It's a picture of grace this morning. It's a picture of his unmerited favor. That Jesus, in his indignance towards his disciples who want to push the children away, Jesus says, no, bring them to me, and not just bring them to me. When they come close, he literally takes them. God literally takes us into his self, his life, places his hands on us, and blesses us. This is a grace. This is what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.17 and 18 as he closes up a letter to the church. He says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of of the lawless and fall from your secure position. We're in a secure position in Christ's grace. He says this, but grow in that grace, right? That's what we need to to grow in, to grow in the fact that it's Jesus who takes him to himself. It's Jesus who places his hands on us and blesses us. But listen to this, there's still another side to maturity. There's a little tension here, but grow in the grace in what? Knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Right, Jesus not only calls us to grow into and mature as a child, but we hear in the scriptures that we also still mature. There's a tension that we live in. And I don't know about you, I like to relieve tension. How many of you like tension? Right? Nah, you know, it starts to, we get a little stressed. Anybody carry it in your shoulders and in your neck? Right? I get the, I got to sit here and just like itch my shoulders and neck kind of stuff. But, but tension, we always want to resolve it. But the scriptures this morning, while we hear Jesus say, I want you to mature like a child, to receive my grace, to be utterly dependent upon me. Scriptures, however, do not preclude us from actually still growing up. It's just growing up how and in what way. We hear Peter say, to grow in that grace, 
right? To take in the, the, to receive what Jesus has done for us, to let him bring us into his kingdom onto his lap. And at the same time, I got to keep growing in what I know. But what I know and how I grow in that, it doesn't, doesn't determine whether or not he takes me on his lap. You hear that? Right? That his grace is what brings us into his kingdom and into life. And, and it's because of that grace that we then grow and let him work in and through us. And so it's important to continue to know what he teaches, what he's leading, what he's doing. Paul says this in Colossians. For this reason, Colossians 1 Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Paul's praying for the church. The others who who were with Paul were praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with what? Knowledge. Right? Knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So Peter thinks we should grow in our knowledge. Paul's praying that we grow in our knowledge. So that you may live a life, so it's not just about what we know, but what we know transforms our life. So that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Paul's saying, listen, that we are praying that you grow, yes, in the knowledge of Jesus, but that in the knowledge of Jesus in such a way that it bears fruit in your life and brings transformation. Because Jesus rescues us all where we are and refuses to leave us there, right? He wants to work his life out in our lives. He wants the kingdom that we enter in by his grace to take root in us and bring change and transformation. They're not mutually exclusive of one another. Paul continues, he says this, not only has Christ now qualified you, right? There's the grace. We hear more of the grace side of things in verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There's the tension. Growing in grace, maturing as a child, right? Maturing in an utter dependence upon God's work through Christ to save us, to redeem us, to take us back. To bring his life and bring his kingdom. And then to grow in that. Right To grow in that kingdom, to let his spirit transform and produce new fruit in us. If we get rid of one side or the other, we become self-righteous in one. We go back to, well, it's all on me. right? If it's all on my, I, if I can map, measure, and manage my life in such a way that God loves me, now we've gone back to, I can earn it, am I good enough, and all of these other pieces. And if we go on grace alone without any transformation, then was, did that grace really take root in our hearts at all? Did Jesus, given his life for us, mean anything at all? Now, I can't make the transformation happen. I can join Jesus, though, in the Spirit's work as he's working that fruit out in me. So we live in this tension of maturing as a child, maturing in grace 
telling ourselves daily the gospel, the good news, that it's not on me, it's not on you. Folks, there's freedom in that. Right? Remind yourself, pray that to yourself each and every day. There's something about praying the Lord's Prayer, that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, there are some pieces there. Man, God, you're holy. You're my Father in heaven, and you're holy. You're completely other and separate. Forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, our transgressions, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give me your daily bread, Lord. Right? All of these things are saying, I'm completely and utterly relying on you, God. And I don't know about you, I need to do that every day. But as I do that every day, it continues to, I, I see the depths of the gospel, the depths of that good news of grace. And the amazing thing is when, it, when that's there, it begins to transform and change my heart. When I see how far God would go to save a sinner like me, he'll go that far for this person over here that I am fed up with. Well, you know. <laughs> but no, when the gospel transforms our heart, not only changes us, it changes who we are. It changes how we act. It changes how we show up. And occasionally, we're like the disciples today who need a good reminder, a good call out from Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes I need the two-by-four upside the back of the head to get my attention. <laughs> because I tend to think, well, you know what, I don't know what you contribute. And I'm not just saying that about children. I, I think we do this to the, to the most vulnerable of our society. We take sort of an elitist approach. We take an approach that says, I'm contributing, but you seem to not be, which means then you don't have value. And until you contribute, then I'll see you as value. And yet that's not the reality. In the kingdom of God, we have no value, and it's Christ and his grace who then gives us value, and then we begin to have value. That's the only way it works. We come helpless and dependent. And we give that gift. Somebody had to carry these children to Jesus. Right? When grace transforms our heart, then we begin to carry others towards him as well. Our final question for us today, there's two of them actually, but first, what is maturing into a child free you from? As we think about relying on grace, as we think about maturing into that utter dependence upon Jesus, where is there freedom for you? What is God inviting you to let go of in earning his favor or performing for him? And with that, why is it important to live into the tension than of maturing both in the grace of God and also in how we live. To not give up the tension, not dissolve it one way or another, but to go, you know, each and every day I've got to remind myself of grace in the gospel. And each and every day I've got to be committed to joining Jesus in the work, the Spirit, in that work to transform my life. Am I going to do that perfectly? Are you going to do that perfectly? No, by, by no means. We're, we're, we're an utter mess most days as we join Jesus in that transformational work. Okay? We don't do that perfectly, so thank God for grace. But the good news is his love for us, his identity for us, our belonging to him is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon him. And when that takes root, transforms and changes our hearts 
has the ability to transform and change our minds. And then will we join him in that work? Will we join him in that life-giving work in our lives and in the lives of others? Because there are a lot of children who need us to bring them to Jesus. There are a lot of folks in our world who seem like they don't matter or belong. Not just our kids, but the vulnerable, the least of these who need us to care enough to go, you have value and worth before you ever prove or show that you have value and worth. And it's in those moments we begin to see again God's kingdom come in our lives and in this world. Children matter. Uh, Just a chapter before, Jesus brings a kid in the middle of the room and says, listen, folks, if you do not accept one of these children, in fact, if you stand in the way of one of these kids coming to me, it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the abyss. You catch that? Like, to have a huge stone that you cannot move in and of yourself, tied around your neck, and then tossed in the middle of the, in the, middle of the ocean, the middle of the sea, and to say, that's a better experience than standing in the way of children coming to Jesus. They matter. Kids, young adults, you matter. You have a part to play right now, not just one day. You matter just as much as I do, just as much as your parents do, just as much as anyone else does. And in fact, where you are right now can help remind us as adults that, you know what, we can't do it all, all the time. Sometimes we need others too. Just like my kids need me and Kendra to take care of them, they're a great reminder to me that I need God to take care of me today. We all do. And it's without, man, because without that, we're lost. We are helpless and hopeless. But praise God in his grace. He says, you belong. You matter, you, you are loved, and you belong. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that, again, you bring us into your arms, that you, Father, bring children to you, and you remind us again this morning of the importance of kids in your kingdom and young adults in your kingdom. You remind us of that the vulnerable, the least, those who seem to not contribute, Lord, um, and the list goes on matter and are valued. Lord, if there's somebody out, who, out there this morning who are, who's watching at home who sits there and goes, I, I have nothing to give. I don't know. Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would say, well, guess what? Be free. Because it's not what you contribute, not what you give that makes me love you any more or less. I love you. God, may we all be reminded of that great grace this morning. And at the same time, may we live in the tension to let that grace also continue to challenge us to, to grow in what we know, to grow in how we live. Because there are a lot of people, um, including our, our own selves, but that need to be brought to you, that need to see and understand the kingdom. God, we need to understand 
the fight we're up against sometimes. We need to understand the sin and the brokenness that exists around us so that, God, we can be a part of your life-giving work. So continue to grow our knowledge and grow our, our hearts, our capacities to live and to love in a way, God, that would show your grace in your life. So God, thank you. Thank you for these last weeks that we can be reminded over and over again that we belong, not because of our dimes, our degrees, not because of our abilities to perform how many trophies we have on our mantle, what kind of house we live in, what kind of car we drive, what kind of job we have. But we matter to you simply because we do. Because you love us and you're never going to leave us go. God, thank you for that grace. Thank you for your mercy. We certainly pray these prayers and many more. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Let's continue in a moment of worship through the song. We make this our continued prayer. Fail, my God, you never will. 
God that he never fails, right? Amen? That his grace is sufficient for us and he continues to work that grace and his kingdom out in us. So go now with this blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen.